This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Ladies, your workouts are about to get an upgrade. The new Inspire leggings by Kalia are exactly what you want when it comes to activewear. It's their most versatile collection yet. They look good, feel good, and stay put. Using Lycra Adaptive Fiber, it compresses and molds to the body like a second skin. And it's unbelievably stretchy, so you can move however you want. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Today is Friday, February 7th, 2020. On this day in 1995, 26-year-old terrorist Ramzi Youssef was arrested in Islamabad, Pakistan, two years after he masterminded the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering Ramzi Youssef's arrest and acts of terror in the name of radical Islam. Let's go back to Islamabad, Pakistan on the morning of February 7th, 1995. Whispers spread through the city like wildfire, slipping into every corner of town housing an American official. These officials, like the rest of the American government, had been looking for Ramzi Youssef for years, since he first planted a bomb in the World Trade Center back in February of 1993. The bomb killed six civilians and injured over a thousand more. A horrible event. But thank goodness that was the extent of the damage. What Youssef had really wanted was to take down both towers of the World Trade Center and kill everyone inside. The act landed him on the FBI's most wanted list. But he'd been difficult to track down. He was backed by money, terrorist money, and he traveled frequently, usually first class, accompanied by a retinue equipped with fake passports. Ironic for a man allegedly fighting against Western excess. Finally, a month before, the Americans had finally caught a break and gotten close. A fire in Youssef's Manila flat had forced him to flee the apartment. In the aftermath, authorities found bomb-making materials and a computer file called Bojinka, Investigators speculated it was perhaps adopted from Serbo-Croatian for Big Bang. It seemed Youssef's newest plot was three-pronged. First, kill the Pope John Paul II. Next, blow up 11 flights from Asia to the US, killing around 4,000 passengers and halting all global air traffic. Finally, drive a plane straight into the CIA's headquarters in Langley, Virginia. The terrorist had to be caught before he threw the whole world into chaos. Luckily, one of Youssef's young recruits wasn't convinced that his leader's ambitious agenda was worth the risk of imprisonment or death. The kid had jumped ship, and today, February 7th, he'd sent Pakistani authorities a tip on Yusuf's whereabouts. The terrorist was right here in Islamabad. 
A coalition of Pakistani special forces and U.S. officials scrambled to assemble as the early morning light gave way to day. But once they'd been rallied, they didn't have to go far. Youssef, according to his recruit's tip, was right in the same neighborhood as the foreign diplomats, journalists, and international organizations at a little whitewashed B&B, Sukasa Guest House, room 16. Go! They burst through the door, and there he was, just as they'd hoped, caught unaware. From there, an arrest that for years had seemed impossibly complicated became very simple. Youssef was blindfolded, and his hands and legs were tied with rope before he could even put on shoes or socks. Within five minutes, he was dragged out of the hotel, yelling all the while that he was innocent. Then he was handed over to the FBI and immediately rushed to an airstrip. A U.S. government jet lifted him up into the air. Two days later, on February 9th, President Bill Clinton released a statement commenting on the case. This arrest is a major step forward in the fight against terrorism. Terrorism will not pay. Terrorists will pay. Coming up, we'll hear about Yousef's trial and long-term influence. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. On February 7th, 1995, 26-year-old Ramzi Youssef was arrested in Islamabad, Pakistan, and immediately handed over to the FBI. He was extradited to the U.S., where he was held in a New York federal prison as he awaited trial. There was little doubt that he'd be found guilty. There was a mountain of evidence against him. In particular, his signature style of bomb-making. He customized deadly weapons to look as innocent as could be. These innocuous-looking objects could be smuggled through airport security. A digital wristwatch modified to serve as a timer, for example, or a plastic bottle for contact lens solution filled with liquid components for nitroglycerin. In his Manila apartment, investigators even found dolls wearing clothes containing nitrocellulose, a highly flammable chemical. On September 5, 1996, Youssef was convicted for his role in the recent Bojinka plot to bomb U.S.-bound planes, CIA headquarters, and assassinate Pope John Paul II. He and two co-conspirators were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But the law wasn't done with him yet. In 1998, he faced another trial for his role in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. On January 8th, 
Youssef was found guilty of plotting a seditious conspiracy and sentenced to life plus 240 years in prison. The presiding judge also recommended that Youssef's entire sentence be served in solitary confinement. Youssef didn't take the proceedings sitting down. He used them as an opportunity to publicly espouse the beliefs underlying his crimes. This is just a small portion of his statement. You call it terrorism when someone would kill innocent people or civilians in order to force the government to change its policies. Well, you invented this terrorism. You were the first to introduce this type of terrorism to the history of mankind when you dropped an atomic bomb which killed tens of thousands in Japan. You killed civilians and innocent people, not soldiers, innocent people in every single war you fought. The government in its summations and opening statements said that I was a terrorist. Yes, I am a terrorist and I am proud of it. And I support terrorism so long as it was against the United States government, because you are more than terrorists. You are the one who invented terrorism. You are liars, butchers, and hypocrites. But the presiding judge was not about to let the trial end on this disparaging rhetoric about America. He gave his own impassioned reply to Youssef, stating, Ramzi Youssef, you claim to be an Islamic militant. Of all the persons killed or harmed in some way by the World Trade Center bomb, you cannot name one who was against you or your cause. You did not care, just so long as you left dead bodies and people hurt. Ramzi Youssef, you are not fit to uphold Islam. Your God is death. Your God is not Allah. What you do, you do not for Allah. You do it only to satisfy your own twisted sense of ego. And I must say that as an apostle of evil, you have been most effective. We often think of terrorism as a post 9-11 phenomenon, but Youssef's 1998 trial shows that much of the rhetoric, fear and emotion around extremist religious terrorism existed before 2001. Youssef, however, has no active role in the ongoing conflict. He watches it from behind bars and will continue to do so until the day he dies. Currently, he's housed in a high-security prison in Florence, Colorado, in a section called Unit D. It's also known as Bomber's Row, thanks to the fact that in addition to housing Youssef, it has served as a home to fellow terrorist bombers Timothy McVeigh and Ted Kaczynski. But Youssef doesn't get to spend his days playing cards with other Unit D residents. He, like every man in the section, spends 23 hours a day in solitary confinement, just like the judge ordered. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 
Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson